It's the difference between being a business and being in business. Being in business, trade time for money. Being a business is a collection of systems that allow you to do what you do so everyone can make money. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we have a incredibly special guest who I'm so excited for you to learn from. Anthony Trucks is on the show today, and we talk all about his journey in entrepreneurship and leading teams and lessons as he has learned in being a boss. And as you'll hear in the episode, he has been a boss in a a variety of different businesses. And so I know you're going to learn so much from his lessons. If you don't know who Anthony is, you should know. So make sure you check him out on Instagram and socials and and all of the things. Um, But he is a former foster child, NFL football player, competitor on American Ninja Warrior. He's an author, shift coach, and entrepreneur. From foster care to the NFL to successful business owner, Anthony Trucks has accomplished what statistics would say is impossible. As a speaker and identity shift coach, Anthony teaches people how to access the power of their identity, tap into their full potential, and make shift happen. We are so lucky to have him on the show. I cannot wait for this conversation. So let's dive in. Well, welcome, Anthony. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your wisdom and your time with our listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to come talk, hang out about all the the fun stuff. It's actually an interesting, intriguing concept of an like a, a podcast. So I'm I'm happy to talk about all this stuff. Should be good. Thank you. Surprisingly, I actually so I launched my podcast in March, and way more people listen <laughs> than I expected. And I'm like, wow, people are hungry for that boring HR leader, like manager type of a stuff, right? Um, well, you need it because that's the stuff that makes or breaks, right? It's it does. you do that right, things go right. You don't, they go wrong. A hundred percent. And there's really no, I feel like all the books out there, I'm sure you've read a lot of leadership and, and, and business books. Like they all, they all like beat into you the importance of having a great team, but they don't really give you any tactile advice on how to do that. They make you feel scared shitless that if you don't have a great team, you're never going to be successful, but they don't really help you figure out how to do it. Um, and so that's really what I hope this podcast does for people. Hopefully, because it's kind of like parenting. Like they, all, they all tell you shit, you should be a good parent. And you're like, what does that mean? Exactly. There's no actual handbook for the stinking thing. And then you get a bunch of oddball stuff. But the problem is, is you're different. The people are different. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. So yeah, exactly. I get it. So we'll just do the best we can to have something where they can at least go like, okay, this sounds kind of like what this guy talked about. Maybe I could apply it here. Exactly. Exactly. Take what they want, leave what they don't. They, everyone has the ability to do that. Um And what I would love, where I would love to start is I know you've been an entrepreneur in a a variety of different ways. And, you know, entrepreneurship is a a wild ride with lots of twists and turns and ups and downs. And, and you're, you're really helping a lot of people get clear along the way about being a leader and identifying, you know, who they are and who they want to be and inspiring lots of folks to do that. So I'd love to dig into in this conversation how you developed yourself as a boss and a manager for others. And I think there's a few nuances that people need to make when they step into a boss role 
even if they've been doing this whole personal development and leadership journey for a while, there's different things that you have to learn to be a good boss. And I'd love to kind of dig into that in our conversation today. Before we do that, can you share a little bit about your journey to entrepreneurship, just so listeners can get a, a, an idea of what that journey has been like for you. I love a good, I love a good founder story. It's always fun, right? Well, when I was a kid, I was a, a poor little foster kid that was in a, I was adopted at like 14. And you're probably like, why in the world did he tell me that? Uh, it's because when you're a poor little foster kid, you realize that the only way you're going to get money is if you figure out how to make money. That's it. Uh, you don't have anybody coming and give you a bunch of handouts. My family didn't have it to give. And so I was really good at like going door to door and like washing cars and, and going and doing yard stuff. And like, I just, I got burned a couple of times. People didn't pay me and they wouldn't answer the door again. You know, it's just part of the journey. So like, I, but I always had this, this connection like, Ooh, but, but if I'm in control of, of how I make money, I can be in control of how I experience life. And so I've eventually got a paper route and I would, you know, go around and you have to actually go out there back in the day when they let little kids be paper route people. I deliver a paper and at the end of the month, collect the check and some paid, some didn't, but I get some money and I pay for my newspapers and I get to keep the profit. And sure enough, I could buy a bike and some rollerblades and a TV. And I was like, man, I like this. And, uh, you know, I, I had a job as a pizza person for a month and hated having the boss. I was like, I don't like this person telling me what to do. I don't want to be here at this time. Like, so then I eventually went to college on a football scholarship. Um, that was, I would, the pizza place was about 17. Okay. 17. My buddy Christian had the job and got me the job. So I'm in there, you know, making pizzas and playing around, burning my arm in the stinking oven. But didn't like the I didn't like the job. I just was like, I don't even know why I got this thing. I was good though, because I I'm a stinking good employee, but I don't. Uh then I was a, a janitor for a while for my grandma, which was entrepreneurial because no one told me when to go in. I could go when I wanted, long as it's clean before they get to the next day, we're good. Uh, and so that was kind of the flow. So I've always done a thing to make my own money. It's always kind of how it's been. And then I went and played college football, played the NFL, had that career. Uh, that's not really, I think, necessary to talk too much about in this podcast, but that was a whole world of understanding the intangibles of how to be successful. Then left that and came home and then had a job as a fitness trainer because my degree is in kinesiology at a 24-hour fitness for a week. Within a week, I realized this is not for me. I am not meant to have a boss. He doesn't know what I know. I cannot be confined by this space. I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. The stupidest and the smartest idea you could have ever had at that time. So I, I put all my money into opening a brick and mortar gym. Had no idea what I was doing. Was naive about how much uh, money you could make in a business. So I signed a lease and within nine months was looking at bankruptcy if I didn't figure some things out. And uh, that was my journey, man. Just breaking and fixing and breaking and fixing. And in a six-year period, in that gym was able to get it to where I like I, I blossomed, did well, sold the gym at a certain point in time, got a big quarter million dollar consulting contract for a, a nearby power company, progressed on to going to the you know, speaking and coaching world, talking about my entire personal life and business life. And then it's been a journey since then of navigating my own journey to being successful and then teaching people what I did along the way. Because there, there's a nuance in our online world, if you want to call it that, where I can I can go be great at something, but those who are the greatest at teaching are the ones who have something to teach. And so I actually have some things to teach based on my experience. So that was my journey. And in that whole journey, it's I'm the boss. I cover everything, um, which means I, I was at one point in business. And then you have to go, okay, well, if I'm in business, what's the next step is to have a business. And a business is comprised of people beyond yourself, which is where the whole being a boss becomes a whole different conversation. And, and that's just a bunch of different skill sets you have to learn along the way. Oh, I can so relate to being a great employee, but your soul, I'm imagining like, but your soul dies. Like I can be a great employee, but I hate it so much. Like that is how I was. Um, 
uh, the, the exact same. I get it. It's weird. It's, it is. So when did you first, like, when did you make your first hire at the gym? Uh, yeah, it was at the, at the gym, the first hire. Well, my first hire was my buddy Carlos when we were like, I think 14 years old, we were going door to door, uh, having people like hire us to do like picking of weeds. He'd be my first hire, we'll call it. Oh my gosh, um, amazing. But then, <laughs> hey, for seriously though, imagine this, I was like, did hey. you, you gave him money. He, he came with you to your shift, right? You know, perfect. He was Mexican. He had it down, bro. He's dialed in. That was a racist joke. I, hold on. Uh, I grew up in an all white family. My brother was Mexican. So I make those stupid jokes, not realizing that the rest of the world doesn't understand the in-house humor we had um so carlos is a guy that was a good buddy of mine we played hoops together a little bit and yes he would come do it first but real employee like w2 pay your paycheck was the gym business and i had no idea what i was doing back then i was just trying to figure out like can you come in and do a job and i'll pay you money for it but i had no idea how to like hire talent train talent pay talent keep talent none of that stuff was part of it no idea to give him systems i just told him hey we need to make money in this gym, so I'm hiring you to do that. But the, you know, if you if you don't know about how business works, you probably want to tell someone how to do that. And I had no clue how, but that was the first hire was the gym business. Yes. What did do you feel like becoming? Do you feel like being a leader for your team came naturally to you, or was that something that you had to learn? Oh, you know, leadership was something that did come a little bit easier because I'd been so. When you play football, you kind of naturally have to figure out how to communicate with people. I've always been a guy that that leads from a position of respect. So I'm not the yell at you, cuss at you, make you do it. I'm the guy that I will outwork you. And then when I'm put in a position to lead, you can't downplay me. So if I ask you to do something, you respect me enough to go, all right, I'm going to do it. So I was a respected leader. And at a certain point in time when I was in college and, you know, doing that thing. And then even when you're playing the pros, there's certain places you have to learn to lead. So when I left that, I had the intangibles to lead people. Because it wasn't a demeaning thing. It wasn't, you know, like I don't hard, you know, drive people. It was more of like, hey, here's where we're trying to go. Here's why we're trying to go there, what the kind of mission is. And then it was making sure I had someone that bought into that. And then from there was just communicating. I guess best to explain it is communicating when they're doing something wrong without them feeling like they are wrong. Like, like, the, like it's a person wrong. I think it's one of the biggest things that most people, leaders or bosses don't understand is the people you're talking to, they're other people. <laughs> like they're not just some random person a slave to you. This is like an actual human. So you can find ways to get the information to them without them feeling like a horrible human when they hear it. My coach in college said, hey, because coaches, if you look at sports, football I played, they're not nice. Their job is not to be nice. Their job is to make you do your job and do it better. And so what happens is they they wrap great information in horrible delivery. That's just the best way to explain it. So you have to learn in time how to hear what they're saying, not how they're saying it. And so because I got to hear a lot of crappy ways to hear how to hear a good message, I was like, you know what? When I come out of that world, I'm going to be aware of how I'm saying something. So I can give you insight, give you feedback, criticism to get you back on track without you feeling like you suck. That is so interesting. I would have thought it would have been the opposite of that, where coaches are good at delivering criticism in a way that gets you. Well, think about who you're talking to, because if you are passive in these things, what I look at is if I'm a passive human, I'm talking to an egot. See if you're Michael Jordan, how are you going to get Michael Jordan to pay attention to you if you don't have a little bit of backbone? You know what I mean? So you have to be able to hold your ground and state the thing. And, and like, and have them believe you. If not, these people will walk all over you. I have watched so many people in different coaching and leadership positions. The, the worst is young strength coaches in the fitness like world. When they walk into a room of, of 
like say athletes, men, women, doesn't matter. And they don't realize, but they're being tested, immediately tested. People will say stuff to them, joke with them, all that kind of stuff. And if you don't respond from the very first moment properly, you lose them for the rest of the season. And so the, the sports world, yes, they know how to coach, but they're not like, hey, can you come to my office real quick here? I need to tell you this. It's not going to be the funnest thing to hear, but it's going to help you get better. Like that's how coaches do stuff. They go, what are you doing? Why are you going so slow? We taught that yesterday. Are you stupid? Like that's how it comes out. It's completely They're not like different. Ted Laszlo. <laughs> no, they're not, not, not beautiful like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I really would not have thought about that, but it, I guess it, it it makes sense for sure. And and likewise, when you have people on your team in business, especially I see this in sales folks, they 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 probably they tend to be the department that have probably has the same demeanor as all stars. Like they think the That's business it. is succeeding oh, because of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so there may be times where you have to be a little bit more direct to the to the sales folks on your they team. They can take it. Sure. They're used to it. Yeah. Sales teams, those people are a little bit different. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So as you were developing yourself in your own journey and your own growth. What type do you, are there any moments that you remember having to change who you were as a boss for your team? Um, maybe it was when you transitioned into the, the online space or closed the gym. I'm just curious if you remember any, any situations that changed. There, there are lots of them. I mean, they happened every year. I feel like it happens even now. I mean, there's just, there's nuances where you get better and better and better because as you grow with a company, the company creates new problems to solve just the nature of it, which means you get new people to come in, which means you have new problems to solve yourself. But I think if I go back to the days of the gym business, it was at first, like, how do I get these fitness trainers who have decent egos to do the job the way I'm telling them to do the job? But this is how I learned it. And I, I know how you learned it, boss, but I need you to do it how I'm telling you to, right? But well, and then in their head, it's kind of like, well, without without me, you would have a business. I'm like, without me, you wouldn't have a place to go work, you know? So you have this back and forth. So learning how to be like the guy that's not just you know, like, we'll call it not responding to them, but trying to understand where the response is coming from. I think that was the first step. Like I would retort and go back and forth with some people. We'd have some turnover with trainers. And eventually I go, where's this coming from? And I go, oh, well, because in trainers mentality, they have to be the end all final, I'm the final boss. I can, I can never be wrong. And I go, no, okay. If I can talk to the part of them that goes, hey, you know how school works, right? You learn, yeah. You ever think that after school you have to learn? What do you mean? I go, well, we're all here doing this thing. No one has the complete perfect answer, but I think we're all learning. So let's do this. I'm going to learn from you. You learn from me. Like I've done a little bit of things. So if I give you some insight here, choose to take it. If you, you know, do great. If not, that's cool. But and I have to remind them, here's where we get back to the main point. So it took me a little while to figure out, I have to elevate my conversation point, but understand where these people I'm talking to are coming from. That was the first, I think, part for me as a boss is it wasn't just being a leader because leadership, you can lead. So I can lead the person outside to my backyard here, fix this. You know, leading is one thing, but being a boss and guiding a company and having people know their roles and doing them, whole different monster because the personality is what you're dealing with. And so for me, it was first off, where is this energy coming from? How can I navigate that in the right direction to get us all to the right place, right? And then from there was also um, me getting frustrated, which was interesting, frustrated with their lack of passion to be successful. Because in my head, I go, I, this, we are all here to do this and make this great, but they don't own the business. Right. They, they will never about care about business. the business. Yep. They'll never care about the business the way you care about the business. And we, and we hear that and we go, that's disrespectful and rude. No, it's not. 
They care about their job. They'll do their great job. But if you keep talking, one time somebody said, it was so clear. He says, most people don't realize that employees, they, they see the world like this. This is my job. And it's not a bad thing. This is their job. They're great here. You keep talking out here, though. You're talking way outside of their purview. So they lose you. And they're like, this guy's an idiot. What is he talking about? Because they don't care about the business. They care about their role, their job, doing it proper, not getting fired. And so you're looking for someone to be a business owner with you. That's not how this works. And so like for me, I would get frustrated. Why aren't you running the system properly? What, what do you, what do you not do? I just told you to do this. Why are you not, why are you messing up? Why are you shortcutting stuff? And it's like, oh, they don't, they don't care. And so with that, I go, okay, well, if they don't care, what do they care about? Well, they care about keeping their job and doing their job properly. So one of the things that to do, which I guess I'm going to skip step two for my growth was to create systems. So to extract me out and put me on paper so they could follow me, which is a system. Uh, that's the yeah. best way to explain it. Right. And so that was a second part of my growth as a, as a leader was like to say, or as a boss was how can I have them do it the way I do without them expecting to figure it out like me? Cause they never would. Here's a process, do it like that. They wouldn't do that. And I go, what are you doing? And I go, Oh, well, Hey, listen, I, I need someone with the front desk that will do all 20 of these. If it's going to be you great, but if it's not going to be you, let me know. And then I'll find someone that can do it. So when you start like doing that, then it's like, okay, I get what he needs. I do want this job. It's not that hard. Or go, look, I know you're intelligent enough to do this. I, I, is it, are you busy? Am I overloading you? Like have a conversation and figure out what's going on, but get the person the best you can to do the process on the sheet of paper. And then the next one for me was like, that was the gym business. The gym business was one part of it. And I expanded off to doing more of what we'll call it this online world stuff. And I did take some things over. One of the big things was when you get to a point of, of we'll call it people that make a lot more money. Like I have people that, that make good money and those people are like, they're still employees, but they make good money. They're very intelligent and they can, they can find a job doing something in many different places, right? They can easily jump ship, go somewhere else. So the next part of me was going, how can I, as a, as a CEO and the leader, make sure the vision is clear. I think sometimes we go, well, our company, we want to make more money next year. That's great. I have no problem with that. We should all make as much as we can serve as many people. Cause if you're making money, you're serving people to do so. But then I go, well, the people that are with me, if they just feel like they're showing up, ticking a box, going home, eventually those people who still have passion, they still are driven, they'll eventually find some place that lights them up, even if it's less pay. And so the other part of that was like, all right, once I got to the next level and I would have some turnover of staff that would come in and have a job and do it, it's like they're just doing the job to do the job. I'm just editing videos to do this. I'm just checking emails to do this. And it's like, yeah, no, at the end result, our goal is to have this take place. So like we have a company called Speak to Freedom for people who want to speak. And so we just had a new salesperson on and the conversation with him was like, look, we're job, we're making money. We're you're here to serve people, but we want to serve a hundred people and have a hundred people bring their message to the world. That's our goal. Everything you're doing ties to that. Whether it's me dealing with the ads and the, and the funnel stuff and the clicking the buttons, the team doing customer service, me making sure the website's working, setting all the technology stuff, all of that, that's all fine. But the end result we're moving towards is 100 people this year are on stages. That's the goal. How do we make that happen? And so all of us together will do that. So now you have intelligent people who are pulling in the right direction all together. It's not based on here's a system, follow it. No, they get why they got into the system. They're already intelligent. And they're going to stick around because they like the mission, they like the vision. When we get testimonials. I share the testimonials with them so they can see, oh, that's what we're doing for people. And so like my, my kind of farther level down to closer now is like I'm a guy that has a role in a company. I, as much as the boss, it's like we're all in the car together. I'm just the one driving this thing. But we're all here together doing something. I got to make sure that they all want to stay in the car. 
Oh man, I love all of these learnings. I want to dig in a little bit more into the vision piece. Like you've created that vision that we want to help a hundred people get on stages. How often are you bringing that up? How is it woven into aspects of the business? Like how do you keep it alive? Because it's one thing to go to a team offsite, create this great vision, and then you all get back to your day jobs and you forget about it. How do you keep that alive outside in addition to sharing the testimonials and stuff? Yeah. So I think part of it is there's this, uh, there's a gut feeling we have when we interact with people. I think sometimes people lose sight of, of who really is the person you're supposed to serve. And I, my opinion is you serve your people, your, your team first, because your team will serve the people, people. And, and with that in mind, I'm, I'm presently aware of how my people feel, if that makes sense. Without them saying anything, I have a gauge on like my direct reports, like how they're, how they're responding to my messages, what that response looks like. Is there, is there depth of communication? Are they using a lot of words that's short? I can feel that. And then my job is to fulfill their expressed and unexpressed needs. Uh, Ritz Carlton is pretty cool. They have this credo card. If you ever go to one of these places, ask any employee for their credo card. It's a card that they have, they all carry. And their job is to really uphold the values in this credo card. And one of them is to fulfill a customer's expressed and unexpressed needs. And so in this, it's like you're trying to feel what somebody's saying, but without them actually saying it. And most people, they just apply it to the actual customer, which is great. But the other side of it is you do got to apply it to your people. What are their expressed and unexpressed needs? Are they going through a hard time? Can you feel that? Have they expressed something differently? Check their social media because I follow my people. I see what they got going on. And so I try to talk to that. And, I, and I'm saying all this to say I want to make sure that they feel that. And when I notice that they're a little bit short, something's going off, like they're, you know, they're kind of taking it easy, I'll feel it. And most of us get mad. Why are you dropping off? You're not getting it right now. I go, I go, no, it's not that they're getting mad or like I should get mad. They're just not caring. I go, maybe they just need a reminder. Maybe they just, you know, and so I'll, without saying like, hey, I noticed this going on, I won't say that. I'll go, you know what? I just really want to say I admire and appreciate this effort you're giving. You know, that's, I've, I've seen it. Um, over the last however many months that I just, man, I really, really love it. I want you to know I appreciate it. And our people do see this transformation. This is affecting the people. Like I just had this person do this, this person do this. None of that would be possible without your role being part of it. Because really none of it would be. There's no one in my company where they're not in some way affecting somebody. It's period. It, it's kind of like a, it's a leg of a table, you know, like when they're all there, you go, oh, it's just, it's a table. It's staying like, no, one of those legs is doing a lot of work. <laughs> they all are. And so making sure you can re, like bring them center point back to that realization is big. And so I feel when I need to say it, that's if that makes sense. I'm long answer. I feel when I need to bring it back to the table, but then we also have meetings, you know, as a team and a staff, and we do anchor down and we track things of what's going on. And here's the amount of lives we've, we've actually changed. We're working with now. And so we're, we, we do numerically base it. So you can see the progress and the traction we're making. Cool. So it sounds like you, when you're feeling as though somebody is having a hard time struggling or is disconnected instead of jumping to fixing the problem, like your default is, I think they might need some recognition. Like that's, that's pretty awesome. Everybody loves it, man. Who doesn't like to be praised a little bit, public praise, private criticism. Exactly. And I mean, studies show, I think it's, you need to hear six times as much, um, positive, um, comments or, you know, recognition to outweigh any sort of criticism you receive. Isn't that insane? I mean, we all know that, but yeah, I think that's an average. I don't, I don't need it at all. I just do my thing. I, I, (laughs) it's a whole different conversation there. I operate in my own internal bubble where I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do for me. 
and I'm going to make me feel good and I'm happy. And I, I operate well like that. It is not a normal thing though. I know, I know that people, let other people tear them down and they're, they're waiting for that to, you know, that punch to, of like amazingness to feel good. I just realized years ago, people are a lot more worried about themselves. So I'm not going to worry about them giving to them and to me because it's hard to do so. So then how do you remember to recognize other people? Cause I'm the same way. And then I'm like, Oh shit. It's been like three weeks before I said, good job to someone because I just assumed they're the same way. <laughs> I'm tuned to it. I think, I think the little part of my brain, like, cause you get, you gotta realize I, here's what I look at. I look at my life like a comedian looks at life. I'm not a comedian, but here's what I notice. If you ever watch a comedian, they bring out points of reference. They are like, Holy crap. Yes, that happens. I didn't even notice it, but they noticed it and made it a joke. I was watching a guy named Nate Bargatze, Bargatze, whatever, last night. And he's talking about this moment when you're at home and it's late at night and you have your spouse and, and they say they're going to bed. And then all of a sudden they come back and they're sitting like, I'm going to stay here until you go to bed. And he goes, wait, wait, you just promised me you were going to bed. What are you doing? Like, I hear my space, you know, like it's this, why are you here again? I just thought you were, I thought you were going to be gone. I could stay up as late as I wanted to, you know, it's yeah. like in that moment, I know exactly what he's talking about, but I never noticed it. Like he noticed it. And it's because he trained his, his reticular activation, you want to call it, that he trained his brain to notice that moment. And so for me, I think I've just over the years trained my brain to notice it. And if you think about, you know, someone that, that has like, hey, how do I do it? And I can't just train it. Well, set an alarm, set something as an alarm every day that goes, hey, you know, recognize somebody. And eventually it'll start becoming this thing where you, it's like you wake up before your alarm. You'll know to do it before your alarm. And so that's kind of where your brain starts getting to rhythm, starts getting to know some things. And then now at this point, like I'll know when I feel good because somebody did something. Like it. And so when I do, I don't keep that to myself. I want to make sure I share that feeling. And so I usually share with the person that gave me the feeling of like, hey, well done. Good job. That's awesome. I share with that person. I make sure the rest of the group knows there's public praise also. Amazing. Something else that you mentioned, I guess that I I, I interpreted from the whole conversation of, I can tell when somebody is feeling off. It's just a thing I can notice. A lot of managers and leaders that I talk to, they notice it and they're like, oh, well, they they either don't want to do it because they are afraid of, you know, confrontation or whatever, or they're like, they think this line between, you hear this concept of work work and personal life and like, you don't want to blend the two often, right? You're like, well, I don't want to ask about their personal life because, you know, I'm curious, like, have you ever had a, toyed that line at all? Because I know I hear I, some leaders say that. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a weirdo in that aspect. So I, I, we kind of alluded to, like, I, I, I think my team is not, like, it's not good to call them family because that's a different kind of connection point. And then then what happens is if anything goes sour, they feel like like someone in their family wronged them. So it's not really that. But there is a, a part where I, I take into account that they are human, right? They have kids and they have a husband or they have a wife and they're people. They're real human beings like I could sit down and hang out with, right? So the way I look at it is it's like if I'm coming to work, I do have things from life that come in. And I think if I if I can't approach that, they feel like they can't bring it. Like my staff, my team, we have like team meetings. Their kids run around and I'm cool. Kids sit on laps. They make noise. They just mute it real quick. I know you're paying attention. You're an adult. You're professional. If it becomes an issue, we'd say something, but there's, there's usually has never been an issue. But the thing I realized is when someone can come as all of them, they give all of them. When they feel like they have to confine or put some piece away, the officers, some things are inappropriate. If you're going to the office, don't bring your toddler around and let him go kick Bob's desk. Like that's a different thing. <laughs> but there's an idea of like, I want your humanity to feel like it's welcomed and accepted here whatever aspect you want to show up in, right? 
And so if you give someone that sense, like they feel like it's a, like it's like a second home. And when it's a second home and the second home is paying me, I'm happy. And if I'm happy, your clients are happy because they're serving your people happy. But you also pick people that know how to, how to make sure they're not stepping too far, right? You just, you, that's why you hire properly to know like this person gets it. They don't get it. And if somebody's a little bit loopy, you get rid of them pretty quick, right? If they just come in, they start doing weird stuff. But typically you start to learn what's right, what's who's a good fit, who's not a good fit. But I, I've never been to a point where like I can notice something's on their face or I notice something in the message or in the meeting they were off and I felt like I can't reach out. Like that, that I think if you feel like you have to, oh, that personal is personal, then you know what ends up happening is they, they don't feel like that they're part of the team. They don't feel like all of them is there and then it feels uncomfortable. And then what they don't want to do is burden you with some issues so they keep it to themselves and it starts to spin up and cause pressure. And what they end up doing is they just realize like, I, I just, I'm uncomfortable. Something has to change in my life. And, and if they can remove themselves from that environment and the thought of that gives them like reprieve, they'll do that. So I think in the long run, it's better to let them be who they are at work. For sure. And it's also just, I mean, you've said it a few times, like realizing that these are just people that you're interacting with. And honestly, you're interacting with your colleagues, your team members, more than the majority of anybody else in your life. So why not just like show up and realize that they're a human and have like a, a, in a real conversation with them. You know, I, I do, I did a lot of personal development work and I worked at Lululemon for a long time. And it was like the first time that I, there was this blend of personal development in the workplace. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we can do it. Cause I was like learning all of these, these skills for navigating conflict and stuff like that in, in my personal development work. And I was waiting for the perfect time to like use this new tool or, or something like that. And then I, all of a sudden I had this aha moment and I was like, I'm dealing with conflict at work right now. Like, why don't I start using these tools at work? Like it was, you know, it's showing up. It makes complete sense. It's, it's interesting. And and I don't have, I mean, it also every place is different too. So like I could say my thing here, but it also may not be good for the culture where as the boss, they may want to do that, but the company culture doesn't allow for it. So it's different settings that matter also. I would love, you mentioned hiring is something that you've, you've developed. What other areas of like the people side of your business have you kind of learned as you've grown? Like obviously how to hire, who to hire, I'm imagining has been a journey. Are there other asks like like other are there other aspects of the the employee experience that you've learned throughout your time being a boss? Uh, the onboarding man, how they how they feel appreciated is a big piece, and then how they get trained is a humongous piece. Uh, I think there is early on in my, no, I think there was early on in my career. My thought was like, oh, I'm a hire a plus. I'm a hire this person. They're gonna figure it out. Here, you got it. Go do your thing. And I learned pretty quickly that they can get like off track quick because they'll start doing their own thing and then it's hard to wrangle them back in. And so you have to literally for the purpose of making sure this person doesn't go into the wrong thing, but also make sure they get a good win quickly to feel like they're doing the right thing is to have some really distinct systems. There is, there's a training process that you have to create that's got to be duplicatable for anybody, but it also, you have to do it at a level that is painstakingly, frustratingly simple. And, and this is what I call training. You have to take an A plus person, train them A plus plus. You have to. And you may think like, oh, I got to the, the C plus people, B, I got to do it for B plus. No, A, A plus people, phenomenal people, train them amazingly. They'll do right. If you don't do that, everything falls apart. Because what you end up finding out is like they, they don't have faith in the system. They start questioning your leadership ability. If you're the right person for them to work for, uh, you're not going to keep good talent if they don't think you're talented. 
And so a lot of it in the beginning comes like, can you create a process that you train them on? And then you paint, and I say frustratingly simple, you write everything you can imagine down to where like they go, duh, but it's there. Like it's, 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 I mean, you, and I add to our systems frequently because questions get asked or mistakes get made because I need to make sure it's engineered out. Cause the issue is if I don't do that, I'm going to have to do that part of the job later. So you got to train a plus people overboard than what you think. But at that point in time, when you've done it properly, they perform overboard. They do way more than you could have imagined because now they're doing your thing, but they still have the energy to improve, to optimize. And then they do that. And it's all positive because now they know the pocket, the direction we're going and everything's good. But that onboarding of why we're here, what the purpose of what it is, what your role looks like, exactly how to do that role. That's a problem because also people who are very high you know, achievers, they do a good job. They also don't want to look stupid. So if you don't tell them what to do, they'll do nothing to make sure they don't do the wrong thing. So having them be trained properly is a big piece. Yeah, that's great advice. And you have to know, you got to know what the person's going to be doing before you hire them so that you know how to train them. I think too often, you know, entrepreneurs will be so busy. They're, they're like, oh, I just need to hire an assistant or I just need to hire something. And they run out and they hire without actually thinking about what they need this person to do. And then they're frustrated when they don't yeah, do a good man. job. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I just talked to a guy today I was talking to. He's like, hey, how do I get this? Because the speaking stuff he's doing, is like, how do I get it up and go on? I say, you do everything. In the beginning, you find a way to do everything enough to be able to be somewhat dangerous. And then you start trying to create a way to simplify the thing you're doing, write it down and document it. And then now you can hire someone to do that thing. And then you can do more of the thing that may grow the business, make more money or what you like to do, right? But you have to do it at first to understand it and then simplify it as best you can and then make it to where you could teach someone within a day how to do that thing. And now you have a process that you can actually look at hiring someone because you can ask them, hey, can you do this? And if they can, like, great. But if they can't do this thing you've written down, then that's not the person for you. And so that is, is a big piece of having this stuff done in advance. Well, I know listeners are getting so many nuggets. So thank you so much for sharing all of these lessons and learn um, developments or I guess growth stuff that you've had along your journey. I guess the last question I, I like to ask entrepreneurs like you, and we, we've we've kind of You've kind of answered the question, but I'm curious if there's a more juicy answer to uh, any moment that you remember thinking, oh, shit, I have to do that, you know, as a boss or as a as a business owner, anything that really stands out as like, ooh, OK, I, ha- I have to do this. I, I got to figure this oh, out. Oh, 100 percent. It was all the stuff we just talked about. But it's the, the E-Myth, the book that I'm assuming everybody has read. If not, read it. If you don't want to read it, here you go. There's three parts of a business. There's the engineer person who like, uh, or sorry, not the engineer, the visionary person. There's a the systems person and there's the, the technician, they call it. So most of us entrepreneurs were visionary. I got this crazy, cool vision. And then I focus on how I'll do it. I'm the technician. I failed to comprehend the internal piece, which is called the integrator, who puts all the pieces together to make your crazy vision doable so you can do the job. I am probably 95% a visionary and a technician. I'm 5% the systems. And when I got into the business, that was that like, holy crap, you're telling me I have to figure out how to teach the front desk person to, to operate with this 
um, tech, tech system to be able to get somebody logged in. I got to worry about the tax stuff and I got to figure out how to make sure the scheduling's right. And I got to open and closing and I got to make sure I file the stuff with the state for the, right? All these different technical paper stuff. And then I got to figure out how the marketing works. Wait, what? How do you market? I got to go online and find these things and create these pictures and do these ads. And I got to create a sales process for the sales team. And I got to tell you to give a tour. Like, I just want to train people. That's what I wanted to do. I want to see people running in sweat and I want to go train. I don't want to do any of that. Right. And the biggest thing was like, God, if I'm really going to be a business owner, I have to understand how a business runs. The difference between being a business and being in business, being in business, trade time for money. Being a business is a collection of systems that allow you to do what you do so everyone can make money. And that was the big thing for me early on. I was like, I'm going to open this gym. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to be great. I'm just going to be like, I train and people are going to come say, here's money. And I'm going to go, cool. <laughs> like, no, that's not how it works. And so that was the biggest like, oh, wow, I have to make sure that there's certain jobs in place in this business. And then I have to create every single moment of what this person does in this business. What's their rhythm? What's their Monday look like? Tuesday look like? Wednesday look like? How to make sure they're doing that? And so that was the hardest thing of, of understanding when we start our businesses, typically we're passionate about doing that thing. But the reality is, is if you don't figure out how to make the process work, you will lose passion because you'll understand what you're in the middle of. And then you're, you're usually signing leases, signing documents, taking loans, and you are a slave to it now. You are locked in, you got to figure it out, and it becomes this drudgery for years. Uh, and then you don't even have time to think of doing anything else. So you're just stuck, Right. So for me, if I was looking at someone going, I want, you know, they're going to start a business or get into something or be a leader, whatever it may be, you really got to, the first thing is you got to find either an integrator, read a book called Rocket Fuel, learn, find an integrator who can work with you and they don't want to be the face of anything. They don't want to, they love the in-betweens and clicking buttons, flipping switches, lining things up, find that human being. They're not easy to find, but you keep looking around enough, they'll, they'll pop their heads up and go, I like doing that. So find that person uh, or you need to make sure you you wrinkle your brain like I did into a room for weeks if so, if if necessary, and you start creating every unique, simplistic, frustrating process you can. So if you were to take a vacation for a month, someone could find these documents and run your business. Anthony, from somebody on the outside looking in, it seems as though you have a lot of your shit together and you you, you wouldn't struggle with any of that. So I would say you've done a really great job of, of learning and growing and developing those skills. So kudos to you, um, because a lot of folks listening to this, I think, are in that, that position where they're like, wait, I have to do this and then I have to do this. And then it paralyzes them from doing anything. Um, and so you are a, a testament that you can't, that people can figure it out and they just have to be committed and, and, and do that work. So thank you so much for sharing some of your lessons that you've learned along the way. Um, and for coming on the show, very, very grateful and listeners, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you check out everything that Anthony has to offer. I, you, you're, you are such an inspiration to me. You probably didn't even know that I was a fan for a long time. So I love everything you're putting into the world. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. If you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening. Share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth. Share it with a fellow business owner in your network who you know will be moved by the message. Heck, share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your support in growing the show means the world to me. 